Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Steve Peasley listens to your questions. Hello, this is Georgia from Illinois. I want to know if market weighted and equal weighted has anything to do with brokerage fees. And provides unbiased answers. They may buy 10 million shares of this little tiny company, but only half a million shares of the big company because they're going to equal the amount of market cap in each company they own. But they have nothing to do with fees and costs or anything like that. Invest Talk. Over 40 million downloads and counting across America and around the world. Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-CHART. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Everybody and welcome to Invest Talk. It is Tuesday, April nineteenth, two thousand twenty-two. I'm Steve Peasley, and of course, I look forward to every day talking to you on this podcast. I like it because I like the fly play. I like the interchange. I like uh, talking about stocks and investments and money. I've always liked it from when I was very, very little. I was twelve years old. I told my mother someday I'm going to be a millionaire. So I liked it since I was 12. Now I was just trying to figure out how to do it. That's the hard part. I don't have any hidden agendas. I'm not trying to push anything on you. I don't do that kind of stuff. In fact, most of the questions that drive the direction of today's podcast will be from you, not from me. I'm, you're the one that's going to drive the program. So it's my goal to help you understand what's going on, what currently is going on in the economic the stock market cycle, what's going on, and how it affects us all. So that's what my job is. I want to teach you to, to be more knowledgeable. That's all. I'm not, I don't expect you to be a genius. I, I'm not. Uh, we're just all here to try to become more knowledgeable. But you have to figure out how to manage your own money, how to control it. You can hire somebody, but even then, you have to manage that person who's managing your money. And so you have to understand how things work. It's very, very important. Remember, you are responsible for your own retirement, okay? And you're going to make mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes because the landscape of, of the stock market and bond market and all the other markets is always changing, and it's it's a cycle that constantly changes, and you've seen it. I've, we've talked about it. You know, it, we're in a currently in a very strong commodity cycle, and I'm not sure how long that's going to last. But I think it's going to last a pretty good time, long period of time. So you got to put the odds in your favor, and that's what we're here to help you do. So let's do that. Okay. It so remember market volatility can present opportunities as well as being difficult to deal with. But the opportunities are what you want to focus on. What When the opportunities are being produced out there, and there are opportunities. Okay, so on this podcast, we always operate with our mission statement. We start off with it, independent thinking and shared success. And that means I'm going to give you accurate market reporting, uh, accurate and complete as I can process explanations and education segments, 
And so anything, and of course, stock commentary, which is one of the main drivers of the program here. So, And I'll present all that information with no bias. So give me a call. Your financial, financial questions are always welcome. You can call right now. We're live, 4 to 5 Pacific time, Monday through Friday. And the number never changes. The number is 888-99-CHART. So let's get right to our first listener line question. Hi, Stephen Justin. I'm calling in on a question for the stock Gilead Sciences. The symbol is G-I-L-D. I've had this stock for about five years now, and I bought it at a higher price than it is now at um, $79, but now it's around $62, and I bought it for the dividend and was wondering to get your opinion on what the outlook is for the company. Uh, I'll be listening to the answer on your show. Thank you. Okay, Gilead Sciences, it's a $78 billion company, so it's very large, develops therapeutics to treat viral, fungal, respiratory, and cardiovascular diseases. It makes money. It's always made money. Uh, It made $7.28 last year, 2021. It's going to make $6.49 this year and then $6.51 next year. So it's it's been making that money in that range for years. Very little uh, income growth. Very little earnings, earnings per share growth. The return equity is very good at 47%. has a high dividend, 4.7%. has debt. Management owns 1%. Mutual funds about 55%. They've been slowly buying it the last year. Uh, I think that you're never going to get much out of it. You'll go. It's going to go back up to 80, maybe 85 or so. That's very probable at some point. Then it'll probably go back to the high mid to high 60s. It's right now 62.78. It's kind of at a low point. So that's you know that's the range. So it's not going to change. That's the range. It's going to stay in that range, and it will return to that range. Gilead Sciences, G-I-L-D is the, is the symbol, everybody. Thank you for the call. My focus point today is based on the story, how to extract income from a retirement portfolio. Okay, and there's different ways to do it. We'll talk about some basic fundamental ways how income is produced. And, you know, it, you, there's not a lot of things you can do about it if you want looking for income. There is not. Okay. Other things I want to talk about. Um, how about uh, why a recession is unlikely this year? Why is it unlikely this year? Two, how about Twitter is poorly run public company and it has been for a long time. Why do I say that? Why is that true? And this is, uh, Elon Musk said that. And I looked into it. So why does he say that? And I'm going to give you why. Because it's true, but I'll tell you, give you some specifics. And I want to talk about building permits and housing starts numbers we came out today. Those are three main things I want to talk about. Okay, so what is on your mind is important. You drive the show. Okay, so give me your calls. 888-99-CHART. The market was up pretty big today. The Dow was up 500 points. and NASDAQ was up 287, and the S&P was up 71. Those are pretty strong numbers, pretty strong numbers. My trivia question today concerns a very, inve- a very important investment instrument 
that's coming up at the halfway mark okay, of the podcast. So we do that every day that I'm here, or almost every day. So what's on your mind? Did you see uh, the forecast by the IMF, International Monetary Fund? They dropped their GD, world GDP prospects by one full percentage point. Mm. That was a pretty big drop, I thought. I think it's a big drop. So what does that mean? So we have good news for Vestalk listeners that enjoy hearing uh, unbiased answers to caller questions at a faster pace. We have just posted an all-new April rapid-fire hour with 30 caller questions. It's available now as a free podcast download. Please tell your friends about the Investalk Radio rapid-fire podcast. And now the Investalk phone lines are open. Call 888-99-CHART. You are listening to Invest Talk. It's Tuesday, and we've all been watching the news and market volatility. Steve Peasley is here now, and he's ready with unbiased answers, but you've got to call with your questions. Invest Talk, 888 99Chart. Hey, Steve and Justin, quick question here. We recently sold our house, and we're going to be sitting on about $450,000 in cash for about 18 months before we build a new house. I'm looking at the Vanguard short-term inflation-protected securities. The V-tip is the symbol uh, as a place to park the money. Uh, We're not wanting to get rich, but we really don't want to lose a bunch of money either. Uh, Just something better than the money market rate. Can I get you guys' thoughts on this strategy as far as risk and uh, if you think it would be a good idea or if you have another alternative? Always appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Okay, Vanguard short-term inflation-protected securities. This is uh, the symbol is VTIF. It's a tip uh, exchange-traded fund tracking Barclays U.S. Treasury inflation-protected securities to zero to five years. I think that's a pretty good idea, and it, you know it's zero to five-year securities. So in other words, they don't last more than five years. So that would be short-term. Okay, short-term. So it should work out. For you pretty well, and it's pretty, pretty reliable. I, I hate the word use the word safe, but relatively, it's pretty safe. The only safe investment that I will say, oh, this is a safe investment, is treasuries. Okay, U.S. government treasuries, and this is a U.S. Treasury inflation protected tip, so it's pretty darn safe. What what makes me hesitate to say it's real safe is because the interest rates will go up and it might lose some uh, value. It's possible. I mean, it was trading near what sixty? What was a high? Let's see, uh, fifty three, fifty four, and now it's at fifty. So it lost you know a few percentage points of value, and that's probably what five to six percent. So so. You know, what does it pay in a dividend? 5.5. So if they go down in value, they don't go down much and they don't go up much. But I I think you'll get a decent return in the next year or two. It's one to 18. You said 18 months. So my focus point today is based on the story, how to extract income from a retirement portfolio. It's, you know, First, you have to decide that it is a retirement portfolio. Is this your retirement portfolio? And 
do you do, is this your goal to get income from it? If you make that decision, then the discussion I'm going to have makes perfect sense. Okay. So how do you make income portfolios? Well, you, you have an income centric strategy. In other words, you're looking to buy things that produce income. That's dividend paying stocks, bonds, anything that produces income uh, as a strategy for your return. You're looking for the income, not necessarily the growth of the portfolio, the income it throws off. Now, you don't have to have that. You can have a, a, what we call a pure total return approach, okay? And you, using this approach, this is more of a balancing act between stocks and bonds, and you're looking for growth in the stock side. Income, dividend-paying stocks is fine, but you're focused on, I want them to also to grow in value. Appreciate So that you can take money touching the principal when you need it, but the other part of the portfolio is bonds, and it just throws income off. That's all it does. So that that's kind of a more popular trend these days. And you could blend these any way you want to, okay, uh, as a strategy. You could say, well, no, I'm going to have 90% bonds and 10% growth stocks. You know, so you're blending a pure income play with a growth play. But you can make that percentage that you want. The, the key here is, is making decisions and knowing what you're doing. And then expect, you know, that growth portion. If you had 10% growth focus on the, on of your whole or overall portfolio, 10% of 100% of your portfolio is focused there, then you know that part is going to be volatile. And you don't worry about that part because you know it's volatile. Okay? And you just... Do, do what you can do to grow it because there'll be times it will shrink, right? So, and there'll be times that it'll outperform. Now, you can also use annuities. You don't hear me talk about annuities very much because I think they're expensive. Um, but annuities, you can develop an income stream from an annuity or a group of annuities. Problem with annuities is you will never understand the fine print. You will never because no one reads it, and it's complex. But those are ideas, and you have to decide <clears throat> if you have one income strategy, how you're going to grow it, how you're going to develop that strategy and make it happen. And you have to do it with a conscious effort. You just let it happen. And that's my, that's my concern is too many people don't really know I want an income strategy, but they don't know really what they haven't made conscious decisions to do that. It's doable. Okay, it is. We're moving into a break. I'm here and taking your calls live. You're listening to Talk. 888-99-CHART is our number. You are listening to Invest Talk. We've seen the markets go up, then down, sideways, and around. It's called volatility. And if you're a serious investor, you'll have finance and investment questions for Steve Peasley. He's here now taking your calls live. Invest Talk, 888 99 Chart. Hi, Steve and Justin. This is Matt here from Minnesota. Long-time listener, love the show. Thank you guys for everything. 
Anyways, I have a quick question. I was listening um, to the show here just the other day, and I heard um, Steve talking to somebody about ETFs and taxes, and I'm not sure if I got this right. I always thought ETFs were tax-efficient funds to invest into, but do they declare more capital gains tax at the end of the year where they are not quite as tax-efficient as maybe an index fund or mutual fund? My question is, of those three, which is the best tax-efficient-wise to invest in, mutual fund, index, or ETF? I've always been told or learned that ETFs are the most cost-efficient as far as maintenance fees and that, but I just have some money and I'm looking to invest, and I was wondering which of the three are best to invest into. I know that mutual funds, I've been told, are always good to invest into because during a bear market, since there is a fund manager, he can allocate the funds to be in the best for that bear market. But which of the three do you recommend, I guess, to people, or which of the three is the best to get into? Thank you for your help in this. I look forward to hearing your guidance on the next podcast. Have a good day. Well, I do like ETFs. Um because they usually are cheaper, but there's cheap mutual funds too. But let's talk about capital gains a second to make sure we understand each other. Inside an ETF or a mutual fund, the manager, if it's if it's not an index fund, which there's no trading or very little trading, um, the manager can buy and sell things. And he can buy and sell things in that fund or ETF and produce capital gains inside the fund, Right. So at the end, usually near the end of the year, they disperse the capital gains and you know to you, and in the form of and they reduce the the uh, and that's that has a value uh, at, to the exact amount per share that was disbursed. That's one way capital gains are paid by you, the investor. The other way, if you bought the ETF, let's say at thirty dollars. And then you held it for two years and you sold it for $50. There's a capital gain between 30 and 50. Meanwhile, inside of it, it's having those buys and sells where it's another capital gain can happen inside it. So there's two ways that you can be earning capital gains. So now, an index fund tracks an index. There's no trading. The only time that there is a trade is when one of the stocks in the index is booted out or they added new ones, and then they, you could have a capital gain or a capital loss for that fund, for that individual asset that they booted out or entered. See, so But normally, index funds don't trade, so tax-efficient-wise, they are very tax-efficient. Where if you have an ETF and a mutual fund that's not tracking the index, the manager could be much less tax efficient. You have to kind of know what the fund's doing. I hope that helps. Okay. And do, which one do I prefer? Again, I like the ETFs because generally they're very low cost. Um, and you can get ETFs and index funds. You can get an ETF of any, almost any sector out there these days. It's really, um, exploded in recent years, the types of ETFs that are out there. Okay? Okay. Um, why recession is unlikely this year? Okay, and just so you know, a recession is officially counted as two quarters in a row 
in a row that GDP shrinks, gross domestic value in the, in the United States or any country. That's how it's defined. And there's really three basic reasons why that we're not going to have a recession. First, labor market is tight, and it still will be tight, and there's pretty strong growth in jobs. We just had another report, and it was pretty good. Okay, number one. That's number two. The consumer is financially healthy. There's lots of jobs. So there's no, you know, right now there's lots of jobs. There's a job shortage. A lot of people, you know, that can find any kind of work they want these days. And number three, GDP growth may slow, but not two quarters in a row by year end. Remember, we only have, I mean, this is March quarter, so we're finished. I mean, with the first quarter, we're in the middle of the second quarter, and I doubt we're going to shrink this quarter. So it had to shrink two quarters in a row. I actually feel that it's probably going to be next year, later next year, late next year, when we are starting to feel because the, you know, a lot of this is going to depend on the Fed. And I think the recession will be caused by the Fed tightening too much, raising interest too far, whatever. I think that's what they're going to do. And I mentioned early IMF talked about the world uh, uh, world uh, shrinking, uh, growth shrinking. They estimated it was going to be 4.4% growth. Now they have it down to 3.6. Okay? So they reduced it, ratchet it down. We'll see if they ratchet it down again. This is the world growth. On almost every investor episode, you'll hear Justin mention mutual funds. Long-time investors probably know a lot about this topic, but for newer investors, I thought it would be educational to break down the definition. So as we go to break, here's my trivia question. Can you define in simple terms the role of mutual fund investments in your portfolio? At the break, I'll supply the answer. But for now, my phone lines are open, and I encourage your investment questions. 888-99-CHART. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the Internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant 
with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You are listening to Invest Talk. Every Friday on the program and the podcast, Steve Peasley shares highlights from the newest edition of the KPP Premium Newsletter. Listen Fridays to Invest Talk. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls and questions. 888 99Chart. Okay, before the break, I gave you my trivia question. Can you define in simple terms the role of mutual fund investments in your portfolio? Okay, first, let me break down the basics here. If you have money that you'd like to invest for retirement, you can't just walk into a New York stock exchange and slap down some cash. That doesn't work. Individual stocks has to be bought through com- through the company that's issuing the stock or through an investing firm that will most likely charge you a per share or trade basis fee. Many of, many of the fees have disappeared, but that used to be the norm. Buying an individual stock, okay, takes time and expertise. You have to do the research into each stock or bond or whatever assets being bought, and you have to work to build a balanced portfolio without too much risk. Or if you decide that you want risk, you got to build that risk. Whatever risk qualities that you want, you have to understand the stocks you're buying and understand the portfolio you're putting together to match all that. Mutual funds eliminate, eliminate the need, ETS to act the same way, eliminate the need to research each stock or bond that you might want to buy. 
Instead, you invest in a mutual fund, and the and the fund company buys and shares, bond, buys and sells bonds and stocks, and you just buy the fund and let them do their work of investing. Now, they'll define what their goal is, and you have to decide which companies you want and what goals are, are compatible with what your need is, but they do all the buying and selling of everything. Okay, they might just hold stocks. They might just hold bonds. They might have a mix of both. Might have currencies. They might have foreign stocks. They might, you know, they you you just need to get the perspectives, perspective, and they will, and it will tell you what they do. Okay, okay, and it can hold domestic stocks or foreign stocks. It could be a mixture of them. You don't know. Okay, so. Be very, very careful with that the mutual fund you want is the one that meets your risk tolerance. And you got to compare mutual funds to mutual funds, managers to managers, risk versus reward of those funds. Remember, you got to be apples to apples and oranges to oranges. Don't compare a bond fund with a stock fund or a balance fund with a stock fund or vice versa. It just doesn't, that just makes no sense. Okay, I hope that's, it's complex, okay? This whole subject is complex. I hope it's, I simplified it enough there. Let's go to Emika in Cincinnati. Hi, Emika. Hi, Steve. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for the call. Thank you so much to you, Justin, and the team for everything you all are doing for us and the knowledge. Thank you. I wanted to ask you about Netflix. In terms of a competitive advantage or a mode, I don't think I can really define one. Do you think like Netflix has a mode or any competitive advantage, or are they similar to the rest of the technology stock, which is like no competitive advantage or any mode with them? I don't think they have the competitive advantage anymore. They used to, but not anymore. Netflix we're talking about, NFLX. Uh, they had actually uh, subscriber numbers shrink, and the stock got you know got hurt by that. Um, provides internet subscriber services to watch TV shows, movies, and more. Okay, uh, for 204 million people. Now, the reason why I'm saying telling you I think they lost their competitive advantage is because Disney now has Disney Plus. Uh, there's probably now a, a half a dozen or more competitors before they didn't have those competitors. They were kind of the only ones on the street. And so, you know, Netflix has been producing its own shows because Disney won't let them buy their movies. They wanted to keep that for Disney Plus. So there's there. that's why I think the competitive advantage is gone and, I worry very much about them maintaining their extremely high P.E. ratio. I don't know how they're going to be able to do that. So, no, I don't think they have a competitive advantage anymore. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. I really do. Okay, Twitter is a poorly run public company. And this is what Elon Musk is saying. And he's right. Want some proof? Now, he's offered $47 a share, I think. I think that's – or is it trading at $47 a share? When do you think it came out public? It came out of IPO in 2013. The IPO price is $26, but I think the, the, the first trading trades was like in the 40s. 
Okay? So that means from 2013 to now, about a decade, not quite, but close, the stock has done nothing. Shoulder, shareholders have purchased more stock that you know, have, have purchased the stock and not making any money. Okay, so why would we feel any confidence in the current management? You wouldn't. Now, probably one of the reasons. Remember, okay. At the same time, by the way, at the same time, Twitter did very virtually nothing for all those years. Uh, tech stocks were a huge boom, huge boom, but not Twitter. Uh, that is very um, poor management in my my book. Now they recently uh, taken a. Uh, uh, Passed the board of directors and the CEO passed a poison pill in, in um, a resolution or bylaw or whatever to try, try to combat Elon Musk. I think they should welcome Elon Musk with open arms, but they won't because he might axe them all. Elon Musk, they, their poison pill says if they buy, if Elon Musk buys more than 15% of the stock, they're going to issue special class of stock for certain people. Of course, you're, we're talking about the board members and and the CEO and those people that they know will vote with, with them. So that's what the poison pill is. Pretty simple poison pill. But this means that you know they're trying to outvote Musk. Twitter. I don't like Twitter. Never liked Twitter. I don't. I don't like. I don't. Yeah. I don't, they, they really haven't done anything for the shareholders. And they should have all that time. Let's go to Sid in Toronto. Let's talk about Qualcomm. Sid. Hi, Steve. Good evening. Good Thanks evening. for taking my call and all the guidance. Very, Thank very you. helpful. Yeah. I'm, I'm having QCOM in my radar for quite some time. A couple of times I missed the opportunity and then it went all the way to 180 and then again now it's 140. According to my basic analysis, it looks like a good stock. Do you think technically it's the right time to buy or should we wait for some more downfall? Well, this is Qualcomm, everybody, Q-C-O-M, and they are a very well-run company. And their P-E ratio based on next year is 11, and their five-year range is 11 to 29. So right now it's trading at its um, P.E. ratio low, I think it can go down as far as 120. It's now 140. Why do I say that? Because it has done that in, in the last year a couple of times and bounced up. Now it bounced up to one over 180, now coming down since peaking at 180 this year, down to 141. So to me, remember at the opening show, I talk about volatility and can produce opportunities? Well, kind of looks like an opportunity to develop into me for Qualcomm. Now, would I buy it right here? That is a tough question because I think we're going to have a tough summer. And it's a tech company. Uh, if it got into the low 20s, no question about it. I'd buy it. Uh, here, it's trying to hold this line here. So I'm going to suggest, well, maybe you can buy half, about half of what you want to own, and see if it bounces down into the summer to the 120s and buy the other half. 
Knights are a very well-run company. Okay, return on equity is 122%. That's huge, huge. So I do like the company. I, I do like it a lot. And it's growing last quarter 30% sales. Now, it won't do that every quarter, but in the last two years, it's growing pretty strong. Qualcomm, Q-C-O-M, everybody. Okay, uh, I think it's worth taking a minute or two to make you aware of some of the benefits Justin Klein and I can offer client investors through our company, KPP Financial. We're based in Irvine, California, which is in Orange County, in Southern California, between San Diego County and L.A. County. And let me remind you that here on Invest Talk at KPP Financial, we operate with a philosophy of independent thinking and shared success. And we implement this by providing unbiased guidance, practicing parallel investing, meaning we buy the same things for you as we do for ourselves at the same price, same time, same percentages. Um, and we have a certain number of investment strategies that we manage and we invest in all of them, our own money. So I encourage you to take advantage of our free offer for a free portfolio review. Uh, and we'll take a look at your holdings, make sure they match with your risk tolerance you can do it by via telephone, Skype, or Google go-to meetings. Either one. Send a message through our investtalk.com. Email. You know, we have different ways to, to get a hold of us. Very easy to do. Or you can call KPP Financial in Irvine, California. And I think after speaking with us just for a few minutes, Justin or myself, or anybody in the office for that matter, uh, you'll understand the difference that we can we, we provide. We don't try to talk you into anything. We're not pushy. We don't do that. And I think we really have a, a different approach. We just want to help you. If you don't become a client, that's okay. We'll still help you. You probably heard us mention that we have InvestTalk listeners across America and around the world. We will demonstrate that next with a question that came earlier from Denmark. So hang on. Each day, InvestTalk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. And Steve and Justin, thank you for your loyalty. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for InvestTalk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. Your rating is a vote of confidence that leads to higher visibility and causes more people to discover and listen to Invest Talk. So please tell your friends and family members about the free Invest Talk downloads at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and investtalk.com. Remember to include your brief question when you review and rate on iTunes. And of course, your calls are always welcome 24 7. Don't forget to call Invest Talk. 888-99-CHART. Hello, this is Yannick uh, from Denmark. I have a question about an American stock called Store Capital Corporation, ticker symbol uh, STOR. I was interested in the, your thoughts about the real estate market. Uh, I own this stock, quite a big portion of... Uh, I was wondering um, if I shouldn't keep it uh, since you uh, seem not to be so alarmed about the real estate market. Thank you. Bye. Okay, before I answer that, I just wanted to mention that we do own Qualcomm and some of our managed accounts. That was a caller before. So a store, Store Capital Corp., it's a REIT, Real Estate Investment Trust, that owns 2,634 single-tenant commercial real estate properties in 49 states. 
okay? Single tenant real estate properties. So it could be a standalone building of, let's say, a drug store. You know, uh, 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 you know it could be a standalone building that owns uh, a restaurant. That 100% of the building is this restaurant, single story. But that's what they're saying they own. Okay, they make money. They've always made money. They're going to make two dollars and eighteen cents a share this year, two dollars and thirty cents a share next year. And remember, as a REIT, they got to pay ninety percent of those earnings out to the shareholders in the form of a dividend. PE ratio is fourteen or so. The stock is thirty dollars a share. So the 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 long year five year PE range is five seven to twenty one. Turn equity is pretty low at five percent, which is not a not a very good number. Sales have been growing in recent quarters because you know the economy. This would be pretty sensitive to the economic cycle, and I'm not keen on real estate right now. I think we're past uh, we're at or past the top of the cycle. So it pays a 5.1% dividend. If you bought it for that dividend, I think it's fairly secure. 5.1%. I would not buy it for any growth prospects because I don't think it's going to grow very much. But the dividend's strong and reliable. I think that would be great. Let's squeeze in one more question before the break. 888-99-CHART. Hello. Would like to get your opinion on a REIT. The ticker symbol is LA. N-D. The company is Gladstone Land. Thank you. Okay, Land. L-A-N-D. Gladstone Land Corporation. A REIT that owns 164 farms, leased to 85 separate corporate and independent farmer tenants in Arizona, California, Florida, Min- um, uh, Nebraska. Okay. Um, they're going to make uh, $1.23 this year per share. Huge jump from $0.67 cents the year before but then down to $0.86 cents next year. It's a REIT. Again, same 90% of the earnings have to be paid out to the dividend. The dividend yield is only 1.3%. Sales growth is pretty strong. I do like the fact that they're farms, but uh, uh, they don't pay enough dividend to attract me. I, I wouldn't be interested in it. Would not. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and we have one goal here, to help you achieve financial freedom. And our work will continue after this break. Get your questions in now, 888-99-CHART. Have you heard about Riskalyzed? It's a brief question and answer form that you fill out online. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein will also get a copy of your responses. They can use the Riskalyzed results to help you formulate a strategy that fits your investing risk tolerance. Learn more anytime and take the Riskalyze quiz at investtalk.com. Hello, this is Georgia from Illinois. I want to know if market weighted and equal weighted has anything to do with brokerage fees. For example, SPY Sam Paul Yellow is market weighted. RSP Richard Sam Paul is equal weighted. Exactly what does this mean? Thank you for all you do for us little people. Bye. Yeah, it does not have anything to do with brokerage fees at all. What we're talking about, market weight versus um, um, uh, equal weight. 
is each company has a size, right? You hear me talk about it every time someone calls. Oh, that's a big company. Oh, that's a small company. Oh, that's a $50 billion company. That's a big one. Those are what we call market capitalization. And all that is is a number of shares outstanding times the price of the stock. And you get the market capitalization, how big the company is. In a market weight or equal weight index, they would be uh, equal weight means every stock in that index for this is has the exact same number of market cap. So they may buy 10 million shares of this little tiny company, but only half a million shares of the big company because they're going to equal the amount of market cap in each company they own. Whereas cap market cap, uh, that's equal weight. Market cap weighted means the bigger the company, the more influence it has on the index. Okay? So that, but they have nothing to do with fees and costs or anything like that. Okay? So it's just different ways. What, which one do you prefer to buy? Market cap or equal weight? What index are you talking about? Or what mutual ETF or mutual fund? See, you just have to understand what they're doing. It's neither wrong nor right. It's just a different method. Okay? Good question, though. Appreciate it. 888-99 chart. Okay, building permits and housing starts report came out for last month. Uh, uh, the starts came in at 1.79 million. That's a pretty good number. They expected 1.73 it was 1.79, and last month it was 1.79. So the same number starts. One of the reasons is because we have a shortage of houses available. Okay. Now, more importantly, the same report gives us permits for future construction. Remember, we always like to look forward. So what are the permits? By the way, just because they have permits doesn't mean they have to build those units, right? They can get the permits and not build them, right? So don't think it's it gives you a definitive answer. This is how many houses are going to be built in the future. But it gives you a good representation that it probably will be. So permits came in at 1.87 million. They expected 1.82. And last month, it was also 1.87 million. So what I'm pointing out here is how do starts and permits stayed the same month over month at a pretty high level? Now, mortgage rates changed, went to 5%, 30 year fixed recently. So it's pretty, I think that's going to be a short-term top for that. But the Fed is also raising rates. They said they're going to raise them pretty diligently six, seven times in a row, and that will drive up mortgage rates. But they've already been driven up in anticipation of the Fed's move. So don't be surprised if the Fed raises interest rates next month, which they are, which they will do, but the mortgage rates don't go up or actually might come down. Don't be surprised about that. Because remember, only the Fed does not control rates. It influences, but doesn't control them. Okay? So if the Fed continues to raise rates, that's going to influence rates to go up, but investors will do it beforehand. Beforehand, drive rates up. Okay? 
Just understand that. I'm Steve Peasley, and guess what? This completes another Invest Talk program. Justin Klein and I thank you for listening, and we encourage you to tell your friends and family members about our free podcast downloads. Get your downloads anytime at iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. And if you do download it with uh, iTunes, please, we would love to have a review and a rating from you. Your positive ratings helps uh, helps our profile, helps spread the word. We appreciate that. Okay, and now, by the way, you can leave a question, and we'll get to it right away if you do give us a rating. I promise. We'll prioritize that question. Independent thinking, share success. This is a mess talk. Good night, everybody. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein chief executive officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listening line at 888-99-CHART. 